One is a classic samurai flick about a lone stranger resolving the troubles of a small community. The other substitutes this for a down and dour Bruce Willis in the middle of a southern noir. Yojimbo, they remade it. Episode of They Remade It. I'm your host, Stuart. And I'm your host, Jacob. Just trucking along, and Jesus, this has been a weird few weeks, it feels like, huh, everybody? <laughs> oh. We're trucking through time, just making 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 things making ends meet. Yeah. It's Oh man. Like I'm I'm constantly reminded of the old Roman curse, may you live in interesting times. And you know, like, I wish I didn't have to keep remembering that every week for a completely different reason. Because, um, <laughs> like, it feels like it's been a month and forever since the last time we recorded because of all the shit that's happened. <laughs> uh. Yeah, it, it really has. And you know what the, the shitty thing is, too, is that that last recording got pushed back quite a while. A couple of days, so it's even closer to this recording than most are. Yeah, that's it's just bizarre. Yeah, like obviously I won't go into too many details about it because honestly, I'm sure everyone's heard enough about it by now, and Lord knows we're among those. Um, but yeah, things are a little rough in a few places of the world. You know, gas yeah. is gas is not great at the moment, but you know, uh, I'm hoping y'all are doing okay. I know a lot of folks are kind of struggling right now, and. Well, honestly, if you're listening to this, then I could fully understand if you're struggling in life, because, my God, <laughs> you're listening yeah. to us. Gas prices went up right when I start going back into the office at work. I mean, come on. Yeah. Fucking God, I truly I truly do feel like an old man. <laughs> like, I just like complaining about gas prices and things. Now. Oh, my God. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, we'll have it's plenty like, of other suffering here. Yeah, <laughs> but you know, I'll have plenty of more childish things to complain about and comment on throughout this video. So that's always nice. Video, podcast, whatever the fuck we're doing. <laughs> yeah. Where, where am I? Who are if you? If you people? go to YouTube, you can watch it right now. It's just a static image. Hey. <laughs> Over audio, but. Oh man. But uh, you know, let's figure going to the more lighthearted things i know you mentioned before recording you have a shorter list of things you've watched this time around if you wanted to do those first or if you wanted me to do the longer list depending on whichever you prefer uh i guess i can just go because i'll i'll be doing the synopsis today anyways but um so i unfortunately i have not watched anything at all since the last time so nothing to report on there um there I mean, I, I technically I have watched stuff, but it's just like keeping up with TV shows and whatever that I've talked about before. So there's really no point in going too far into that. Mm. Uh, I've been playing a couple things. I haven't put much time into it, but I, I have logged 
uh, some hours against Elden Ring, which just came out. Oh yeah, uh, I got the f- I got the physical copy of that for PS5, and I've played some of that. And uh, oh, you've got a PS5, damn. <laughs> it's weird. Yeah, I I've had one for about a year. I guess. Oh, oh yeah, I think I you did. I, I think you did mention it before. Yeah. It's like yeah, I was like I don't know if I talked that much about it because. I knew when I was getting it that it didn't have many things on it, but um, which sucks anyway. now that there actually are a few things for it, and now like they're hell expensive. Yeah, it's not great. Um, not great, as I've come to understand. Yeah, I really, I really want to get one. I mean, yeah, I can't help with the prices, but I got one by following like three Twitter update accounts and just turning my Twitter notifications on. And one day there was one that posted like, hey, 20 minutes from now, Best Buy is going to drop some. And I wasn't working that day, so I just waited at the Best Buy website for 20 minutes and I got one. It was pretty easy. Sick. Um, I, I, yeah. I have zero belief that that might work anymore, but I might try. Maybe not. <laughs> Who knows? Um, but anyways, yeah, Elden Ring. Um, I... So the reason I got it was primarily just because I don't have a lot of physical things for PS5 now, and I like to collect physical media when it comes to games anyways. I wasn't really planning on going into it because I've played Souls games in the past and I don't care for them. I don't like the controls. I always think they're like clunky and weird. I just can't get into it. Mm. Um, But against my better judgment, I did install it because I was looking for something to do, and I played it. And, like I said, I haven't put much time into it, but I started to actually get enveloped into it. Uh, I, the world is actually interesting. <laughs> you know? It seems that way. Yeah. Like, it, it, it's I, like... This, this will technically... Like, I really want to get it, and it'll technically be the first Soulsborne I've ever played, which I'm told is a bad idea, but honestly, fuck it. I live on bad ideas. Um, not least of which for the fact that technically the first... Dark Soul, the Soulsborne game I played was Dark Souls three while drinking heavily. <laughs> I remember that you were, yeah, <laughs> yeah, that was that was something. But uh, yeah, I I mean I I was interested in Bloodborne because of the atmosphere, but I got turned off by the controls pretty quickly just because it it wasn't exactly the same, but I still had those frustrations. Uh, to to cut to the chase, I'm not feeling that with Elden Ring right now. Nick. It feels a lot better to play. It's it's still hard, obviously. It's not like, oh, this is much easier, much more enjoyable. No. Uh, it, it just it, it just feels a lot different. Um, I kind of wish Bloodborne felt that way because I like the spookiness of it, but uh, whatever. Um, so, uh, yeah, I, I, I've put maybe five hours total into it right now, and I, I, I actually got pretty far, it seems. I explored a a decent chunk of the map i'd say maybe a quarter of the map based on what i've seen online at least um just by you do have a you do have an innate ability to just like find shit which i guess you've trained over the years just stumbling around yeah uh but it's yeah uh i i plan to put more time into that whenever i get time and uh this might be the first souls game that i ever beat (laughs) Hey, um, so we'll we'll see how that goes goes. Um, and besides that, the only other thing I I just wanted to bring this up because I read it yesterday and I immediately thought of you. Um, and the fact that we recently covered a similar topic in our first episode of the year, 
uh, first episode of season five. Go back and listen to it. It was Space Jam. Oh, yeah. Uh, So there was a movie announced by Warner Brothers back in 2020, and I completely missed it. I don't think we ever talked about it, but it just recently started getting actors attached to it, which is like, oh, we're like actually committing to doing this now so much so that they said that they're planning on releasing it, I think, late next year. Um, but it is a Wiley Coyote led movie, live action animated hybrid, um, tentative title Coyote versus Acme. And it is about Wiley Coyote hiring a lawyer to sue the Acme company. And I think John Cena is set to play the lawyer. I thought of you because I remember you mentioning that he's like your favorite Looney Tunes character. I mean, yes, but like... Jake, that sounds like a joke. Like that sounds like I, a joke that they would does. have had in the for in like the modern Space Jam remake of like, oh, in this preceding time, Wiley went on to become like a very successful serious actor, or he he like or like a lawyer or some shit. Like this doesn't sound real, and I know by the fact that you're telling me about it that it is. <laughs> and it, I, and like this is kind of this is kind of how, how I reacted when I first learned what NFTs are. That is to say, I fully understand what you're saying. I don't think you're telling the truth, though. <laughs> yeah, I I mean, yeah, you know, <laughs> you know, I am, and it's 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 just weird because it's a strange. It I mean, it sounds like a Family Guy joke that they're turning into a movie, and hundred percent. I I don't understand why i mean the coyote and the roadrunner at least are fairly high name looney tunes especially for being later creations from most of them so i I get i get wanting to put them in this but just this is like gonna be a mainstream family movie and they're putting wily coyote as the lead character in it and this, this thing's got to be at least an hour and a half. It's probably going to be closer to two hours. And I'm like, okay, so whether it's good or bad, you have to sort of adhere to two rules. And I don't know that they're going to follow either of them perfectly. One of them being a Wily Coyote cannot talk. Huh. And, and people always bring up, oh, what about those three Bugs Bunny shorts like Operation Rabbit? Well, that was like a weird later thing that I think Chuck Jones was trying out and... Uh, I guess the first one of those is funny, but still, like, it, Wiley Coyote should not be a character that speaks. Um, yeah. And the second rule, which they definitely aren't going to follow, I don't know how they could, but Wiley Coyote, if this movie really is Wiley Coyote going to court and suing Acme, he cannot win the lawsuit in the movie. Wiley Coyote is not a character that wins things. Um, yeah. But I don't think they're going to follow that rule. He has to win some way because he's going to be the main character of this this family movie. If it was just a short, you know, whatever, he loses all the time. But um, I, I think, have no idea. I think with hearing this, and I think, I think my brain just kind of went through the five stages of grief with hearing this concept. Um, that is to say, at this point, the movie industry is such a fucking shit show to me that hearing this i have a strange chaotic joy of wanting this to exist in the world because like 
I'm so sick of all these like super safe movies and like big name movies and everything that are like really there's no risk going into them anymore and that this one isn't i can't even say there's risk going on because the fact that it has john cena means it'll almost certainly turn a profit but like it is so out there and just like so such a non-joke of a concept and the fact that they are making it a feature-length film brings a strange like gallows level humor to my soul like i feel like i just got told i'm going to be hanged by the neck until i am dead for a crime i did not even know could exist and it's so absurd and out there that i can't help but laugh it's (laughs) i want this movie to do well more than any other movie ever and not like do well in like an oh shattering box office records i mean like i want this to be the most like heartfelt rendition of any movie ever produced. And the fact that it has to be done through the medium of John Cena as a lawyer for a non-speaking coyote. Yeah. Um, I, I don't know. And, and that being said, someone else who I saw recently was detached. I just dropped John Cena. Uh, mm-hmm. And he actually had a role, but Will Forte I saw, but I didn't see a role associated with him. And I was just thinking, I was like, what if they have him play Wile E. Coyote? Hmm. Like that. I'm, I'm not saying hmm, that would be good. I, I just, in the back of my head, like what it, if, yeah. I, I, I was like, I, I was like, I could see them just doing that and saying, fuck yeah. it. Yeah. Again, so, that's, that's kind of, it's the mindset of like, I do wonder what they're, they'll be serving for my last meal. It's just, it's so strange. And just like, part of me also desperately wants them to fully voice Wile E. Coyote because it's already, the concept is already so vacant of reality of anything. You may as well go fucking both feet in. I guess so. I, I'll I'll reserve judgment until it a- actually comes out. I just think, obviously, when it comes to things like this, my mind, my mind starts going into hyperdrive of all the different ways that it could be fucked up. Um, oh, 100% it's will pretty, be fucked up. It's it's pretty easy to fuck something up when it, you're basing it off of something that had a literal rule sheet that anima- animators and writers had to follow. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, that uh, just kind of just shows you. There are no rules anymore. Fucking Chris Pratt is going to voice Mario. Like, I, I, that should have been my first sign of the state of things. But truly, this is kind of that last thing of... I've kind of just been building up to this point of who gives a flying fuck anymore? opinions yeah. and like deep film critiques are dead long live chaos and that's <laughs> why i love this show honestly because fuck it who else we is are... chris Pratt voicing he's voicing like garfield or heathcliff or some shit i just read that the other day and i was like god he's he's voicing everything yeah, uh. yeah like it's just yeah wow i'm kind of just in this like numb acceptance of the whole situation and it's kind of beautiful I haven't felt this good about the movie industry in a long time. Okay. Well, I'm I'm glad you've succumbed. <laughs> yeah, I fully just like delved into the fucking Lovecraftian madness that it all is. And just kind of like, okay, I could try to rage against this, but I'd only get hurt. <laughs> <laughs> well, so fuck it. <laughs> so long as we're talking about your delving, let's delve into uh what you what you've been doing here recently. Yes, let me just pry myself out of this, you know, not quite existential spiral, but existential holding pattern, I guess I could call it. Um, the pit. Uh, 
you know, done a fair number of things this time around. Nothing like too special apart from what I'd consider one. Um, first off, um, you know, been playing some more games. I recently um, properly got a new Switch for myself. I'd given the other one to my girl, my original one to my girlfriend. So now we're playing stuff online. Um, nice. So a lot of Stardew Valley mainly between us, but um, also bought uh, Pikmin 3 when I got it. And it sucks. <laughs> like, really? Right down. Like, <laughs> honestly, like, it was so fucking short. Like, mm. it, it adds a lot of, like, very necessary things add-ons to it like there's a lock-on feature instead of just kind of like throwing willy-nilly with these guys so it's a lot easier and it has it's a lot more functional but with that it also ends up doing a lot of like all the major like bosses that are in it like because you in pikmin 1 and 2 you got essentially bosses but really they were just kind of like you just kind of thrown at you in random situations so like sometimes it could be this hellish demon that just kind of comes out of nowhere that can literally drop on you from the sky and then other times you're like going through this deep dark cave it's like oh what's coming up to the end and there's just like nothing it's like oh i mean okay um whereas this one it's it pikmin 3 does very what i'm now calling um nintendo bosses that is to say very distinctly laid out uh arena areas with like super telegraphed phases and attacks of everything. Like it does it a lot in Mario games, especially more modern ones. And it just kind of breaks up any kind of sense of fun or discovery with it. Cause it became insanely formulaic compared to the other games. Cause the other games, it was yeah. just kind of like this spattering of stuff that you just had to find looted all across the land. Um, and like, but this one, it was just, it was so, damn easy like i literally i think i beat the whole game in inside five hours um <laughs> and i could have 100 percented it on the main story in another like maybe two at most um and like it just it strips out a lot of the other features because like it got to the point where i was like you know what i want to go play pikmin 2 and so i decided to find my old fucking wii u and get the virtual like the they had like the version um for like that was like it was like a Wii it's like apparently a Wii version which I didn't know existed um that they're selling through their store which is about to be shut down thanks Nintendo um <laughs> but yeah. I went and got that I went and got that and it is so much more fun and it is fucking brutal comparatively my god like one of the first bosses it's just like this giant fucking slug like like steamroller essentially where it's like oh you threw a bunch of pikmin at its face okay now they've all got knocked off and they're all dead now they are just squished like instantly like whoa and i adore it i adore it to I... my core it's so janky and brutal and like the shit where like if you leave pikmin out oh like when you leave at night and you have to watch them die in front of you it's like my god yeah oh, <laughs> this I game does not fuck pikmin around games. they are amazing they're so janky and they're so frustrating sometimes, but I adore them to my core. Um, Pikmin 2 especially. Um, so that one I've been playing a bunch Pikmin. of. It's a, it's a good one. I haven't played the first one in God knows how long. I think I only briefly played it once because I didn't like the time limit thing. I tend to like take my time exploring stuff. Um, oh, I know what you mean. I think I did. I think the last time I played it, I did, I did just lose. I ran out of time mm. fully, and it's like, if I remember correctly, it's horrific because Olimar dies, and the Pikmin like turn him into a Pikmin so he can be come, he can come back to life, and that upset Whoa. me greatly as a child. That is, <laughs> wow! I didn't even know that. Um, 
that's a fucking twist I wouldn't have expected. God, that yeah, that's like that's like fucking Kubrick shit. My God. Well, uh, that is the bad ending. So <laughs> that's fair, but like that's the more interesting ending. My God, that's more interesting than anything fucking Pikmin three does. Um, <laughs> but yeah, like that's that's been like one of the big ones I've been playing. Um, another one I got was um, it's apparently a sequel to another game, but it's called Far um, Strange Tides or something, or Different Tides or something like that um it's like you're just this little it's it's very indie game where you play you know small child in a big big scary world um and you have to like you have to like pilot this big ship all on your own so you're running around like doing all these different tasks to make it operate which like if you remember that one i think it was like lost planet or something that you guys played back in college that i briefly played with there's like a level where you have to like pilot a train and fire it against like this giant monster um I adored that, and so then I saw this, and I was like, "I'm gonna play the hell out of this." Um, so I played. I played about an hour or two of it so far. It's pretty good. Um, nice. You know, at times <laughs> it's a, it's its controls are a little touchy at times, and like I worry that I'm gonna fuck it up real bad at some point. But who knows? Yeah. Um, but that's the game side. As far as movie side, um, the quick one I'll say is I rewatched um, Casino Royale on Netflix. Uh, the James Bond film, which mm-hmm. I still consider to be my personal favorite. It's really the only spy movie that I actually love. Um, Cause like it has this nice balance of it is kind of real world, but it's also a little like fantastical and campy. Um, mm-hmm. And so it, it does enough with what it's got that it's, it does really well. And all the other modern James Bonds have like tried to be more like the old James Bonds and they just don't work for me. Like they're just so stupid. Um, the Casino Royale really is the only good one in my mind. Um, but the big one that I watched, um, because my dad actually came into town and we decided to go see it, was the Batman. Um, oh shit, that I'm going to see that this weekend. Um, I cannot recommend more to try and see it in IMAX if you can, because like it is so intense with its sound and everything, which is it's kind of the whole deal with it, and without. You know, I'll say as little about it as possible. Oh, yeah. I will just yes, say. Yes, please. <laughs> yeah, I will just say fucking amazing. Like, I I absolutely loved it. Like, every That's fucking second of it. That's what I've been hearing. That's what I've been hearing um, from everybody. Like, I, I would have used to say, like, my favorite, you know, easily superhero movie was. It, it would have been a tie between, like, the first Iron Man and the Dark Knight. This one blows him out of the water in my mind. Like, completely. Holy shit. At least, at least to me, I think it just does the character better. It does the city better. Um, I think fucking Paul Dano as the Riddler is brilliant. Um, it's just, it's so good to me. Like, and I think, like I said, I think it really does what that character is meant to be incredibly well. Um, okay. Well, I, I'm, I'm certainly excited to more so see it now. I mean, my. My big sticking point I'm holding reservations for, as I mentioned in the past, is the Riddler. Just because I'm a big Riddler fanboy, and I, I, I'm still I'm still holding reservation for it, but I'll I'll, I'll see it soon. And I think I'll you'll be able to like make it. it. My judgment. <laughs> yeah, I think you'll like him plenty. Did you like? I'm trying to think the closest comparison to him. Did you like the Riddler in the Arkham games? Like he's different from that, but it's kind of closer to that level of like straight up insane serial killer. <laughs> I I do like that Riddler because he he my favorite my favorite Riddler of all time is from the 1992 animated series 
because he's yeah, just a dapper he's a dapper gentleman that thinks he's better than everybody and the Arkham version is my second favorite because he's just like a more strung out version of the one from that 1992 cartoon so I, I, I like one, the Arkham ones a fair amount this, I think that's the closest comparison I could put he doesn't quite have that same attitude but I'll, like I said you, you can you can discover yeah. that for yourself um, all right but yeah, it's it's pretty fucking great, and anyone who has the chance to see it, go fucking see it. It it deserves to be seen. Um, and like I said, I saw it in IMAX, and I think that was like the perfect way to watch it because it was so intense. Um, and yeah, I, it was fucking like new new favorite superhero movie by a mile. Damn, better than the Phantom. Okay, well, <laughs> I'm I'm excited. Sadly, yes, I must. I must take my phantom down from its plinth. Slightly, there's. A, I'll, I'll make like just a slightly shorter plinth for it. All right, that that's good. It deserves it. Um, but yeah, I think I think that's the extent of it. Um, I like I said, I just mainly just kind of been playing a couple of games here and there. But beyond that, it like it's kind of hard to match the the Batman with level of shit that I did. So. No, no fair. And it's been a long time since you've brought up a movie uh, on the show that you've seen that you've watched in theaters, too. I know. it's It's been a so. while since I've had the chance. Um, so, yeah, that one that was definitely worth it. I'm glad I saw that in the theater. Like, I'm going to get it whenever it comes out, but it's not going to be nearly the same. Um, I imagine. At, yeah. least I, I, at least I'm seeing it in the theaters. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it, it I don't think ass. I'm seeing it. I'm not seeing it on an IMAX. I... That's surprisingly sure theaters around great. here are selling out quickly so i had to order ahead of time but oh yeah like the day i i got it i was i'm surprised honestly i was able to find two seats but uh but yeah that's kind of that's the extent of what i got and then you know i'm sure the you know to sadly throw you into the 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 shark pit that is going to be this synopsis i imagine <laughs> the Meyer, the unfortunate Meyer. Talking about uh, a handful of films today: Akira Kurosawa, uh, Walter Hill. One of these movies I watched at work. <laughs> really? Yeah. On my. <laughs> yeah. I'll be real. Honestly, honestly, so did I. Now that I think about it, it's like, yeah, I, I watched. I was like, I watched it at home. I like, no, I watched it mostly at work. <laughs> really? Okay. <laughs> oh God. Yo, Jimbo. First things first, um, if not alluded to uh, earlier, <laughs> before the synopsis, I'm going to try my best with this, but this is going to be a lot of Japanese names, and I don't speak Japanese, so uh, I apologize if I muck anything up too horribly, but... Uh, Wait, 
We are about, about as white as the driven snow, people. We are not good at this. Yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll try my best. <laughs> so first up, we will be talking about Yojimbo from 1961, directed by the Akira Kurosawa. In 1860, a ronin, played by Toshiro Mifune, wanders through a desolate Japanese countryside. While stopping at a farmhouse for water, he overhears an elderly couple lamenting that their only son, not wanting to waste his life as a farmer, has run off to join the Gamblers, who have descended on a nearby town overrun with criminals and divided between two rival bosses. The stranger heads to the town where he meets Gonji, played by Aijiro Tono, the owner of a small isekaya who advises him to leave. He tells the ronin that the two warring bosses, Ushitora, Ushitora and Sibe, played by Yasuzo Ogawa and Ryusuke Nishio, respectively, Nishio, respectively, are fighting over the lucrative gambling trade run by Sibe. Ushitora has been Sibe's right-hand man, but rebelled when Sibe decided that his successor would be his son Yoshiro, played by Hiroshi Tachikawa, a useless youth. The town's mayor, a silk merchant named Tazeman, played by Kamatari Fujiwara, had long been in Sibe's pocket, so Ushitora aligned himself with the local sake brewer, Tokueman, played by Takashi Shimura, proclaiming him the new mayor. After sizing up the situation and recognizing that no one in town cares about ending the violence, the stranger says he intends to stay as the town would be better off with both sides dead. He first convinces the weaker Sibe to hire his services by effortlessly killing three of Ushitora's men. When asked his name, he sees a mulberry field and states his name is Kuwabatake Sanjiro, where Kuwabatake means mulberry field and where Sanjiro means 30 years old. Sibe decides that with the Ronin swordman swordsmanship, the time is right to deal with Ushitora. However, Sanjiro eavesdrops on Sibe's wife, who orders Yoshiro to prove himself by killing the Ronin after the upcoming raid, saving them from having to pay him. Sanjiro leads the attack on the other faction, but then resigns over Sibe's treachery, expecting both sides to massacre each other. His plan is foiled due to the unexpected arrival of a government official, which gives both Sibe and Ushitora the opportunity to make a bloodless retreat and cease their war. The official leaves soon after to investigate the murder of a fellow official in another town. Sanjiro soon realizes that Ushitora has sent two men to commit the murder when he overhears them discussing it in Ganji's tavern. With this knowledge, Sanjiro captures the killers and sells them to Sibe, but then tells Ushitora that it was Sibe's men who caught them. An alarmed Ushitora rewards him generously for his help and orders the kidnapping of Yochiro, whom he offers in exchange for the two prisoners. However, Ushitora double-crosses Sibe at the swap when his brother, Unosuke, played by Tatsuya Nakadai, shoots the assassins with a pistol. Anticipating this, Sibe reveals he had ordered the kidnapping of Ushitora's mistress. The next morning, she is exchanged for Yo Yochiro. <laughs> Sanjiro learns that the woman, Nui, played by Yoko Tsukasa, is the wife of a local farmer who lost her to Ushitora over a gambling debt. Ushitora then gave her away as chattel to Tukuemon, Tokuemon in order to gain his support. Sanjiro tricks Ushitora into revealing the safe house where Nue is hidden, then kills the guards posted there and reunites the woman with her husband and son, ordering them to leave town immediately. Pretending to be on Ushitora's side, Sanjiro is able to convince Ushitora that Seibei is responsible for killing his men. The gang war escalates with Ushitora burning down 
Tazemon's silk warehouse and Sibei retaliating by trashing Tokuemon's brewery. After some time, Unosuke becomes suspicious of Sanjiro and the circumstances surrounding Nui's escape, eventually uncovering evidence of the Ronin's betrayal. Sanjiro is severely beaten and imprisoned by Ushitora's thugs, who torture him to find out Nui's whereabouts. Sanjiro manages to escape when Ushitora decides to eliminate Sibei once and for all. As he is being smuggled out of town in a coffin by Gonji, he witnesses the brutal end of Sibei and his family as their home is set on fire and they are all cut down while trying to surrender. Sanjiro recuperates in a small temple near a cemetery. However, when he learns that Gonji has been captured by Ushitora, he returns to town. Sanjiro confronts Ushitora, Unosuke, and their gang, taking on all of them by himself in a duel and killing them easily. He spares only one terrified young man who turns out to be the youth he met on the way into town, and sends him back to his parents. As Sanjiro surveys the damage, Tazeman comes out of his house in a samurai outfit beating a prayer drum. Driven mad, he circles around town and then goes after Tokoemon, stabbing him to death. Sanjiro frees Gunji, proclaims that the town will be quiet from then on, and departs. And now on to Last Man Standing from 1996, directed by Walter Hill. In Prohibition-era Texas, a wanderer named John Smith, played by Bruce Willis, drives his Ford Model A coupe into the small border town of Jericho. As he arrives, a young woman named Felina, Karina Lombard, crosses the street, catching Smith's eye. Moments later, a group of Irish mobsters, led by Finn, played by Patrick Kilpatrick, surround Smith's car. They warn him against staring at Doyle's property and smash up his car. Stranded and with no money to get his car fixed, Smith goes to see Sheriff Ed Galt, played by Bruce Dern. The cowardly Galt refuses to help him. Instead, Smith walks to the town hotel run by Joe Monday, played by William Sanderson, gets a drink in a room, and arms himself. He then goes to Doyle's headquarters and challenges Finn to a duel, which, which Smith wins with alarming speed. Smith departs and returns to the hotel bar, much to the surprise of Jericho's residents. Learning of Finn's death, Fredo Strazzi, Ned Eisenberg, the head of Jericho's Italian gang, offers Smith a job in his outfit. Strazzi is eager to wipe out his rivals and is hiring anyone who can fight to build up his gang. Smith agrees to his author, offer and meets Giorgio Carmonte, played by Michael Imperioli, son of a prominent Chicago mobster who is monitoring Strazzi's activities in Jericho. Carmonte expresses his immediate distrust and dislike of Smith, who leaves and meets and seduces Strazzi's mistress, Lucy, played by Alexandra Powers. Smith accompanies Strazzi and his men to a backcountry road where they meet Ramirez, a corrupt Mexican police official on Doyle's payroll. The gang ambushes and kills Doyle's men and seizes a caravan of illicit liquor. Carmonte travels to Mexico to cut more deals with Ramirez, while Doyle, played by David Patrick Kelly, and his chief enforcer Hickey, played by Christopher Walken, return to Jericho and are informed of Finn's death and the loss of the shipment. Smith defects to Doyle's side and reveals Ramirez's betrayal. Hickey travels to Mexico, kills Ramirez and a corrupt border patrol officer involved in the liquor trade, and kidnaps Carmonte. Doyle contacts Strassi and demands a large ransom for Carmonte, as well as the return of his trucks. Strassi, in turn, kidnaps Felina and offers to trade her instead. The two gangs make the exchange and return to their respective empires. Smith is summoned by Sheriff Galt and meets Captain Tom Pickett, played by Ken Jenkins, of the Texas Rangers, who has been sent to investigate the patrol officer's death. He warns Smith that he can tolerate one gang in Jericho, but not two, and intends to bring a company of rangers in ten days to wipe out both sides. Smith says he intends to play the gangs against each other, destroying them both and making money in the process. Pickett agrees to his plan, but warns Smith that if he finds him there after ten days, he'll kill him as well. Lucy comes to Smith and reveals that Strassi has her had her ear cut off for sleeping with him. Smith gives her some money and puts her on a bus out of Jericho. 
The next day, Smith relays a false rumor that Strassi is bringing in more soldiers. Playing on Doyle's obsession with Felina, he convinces Doyle that Strassi will try to kidnap her again to learn where Felina is being kept. Smith kills the men guarding Felina and gives her one of Doyle's car, cars and some money. The next day, Smith is waiting at the safe house when Doyle arrives and claims that he arrived too late to keep Strazzi from kidnapping Felina. Doyle's henchman Jack McCool, played by Artie Call, believes Smith's story, but Hickey does not. Doyle goes berserk and declares all-out war on Strazzi and his gang. Smith's plan goes awry when Hickey ambushes him, having received word that Felina was spotted heading towards Mexico. Doyle imprisons Smith and has him tortured, demanding to know where Felina is. Despite the heavy torture inflicted on him, Smith refuses to talk. Later that night, he overpowers his guards and escapes with Monday and Sheriff Galt. As they are driving out of town, they see Hickey and his men slaughtering Strazzi's gang at the roadhouse. Strazzi and Carmonte try to surrender, but are gunned down without mercy. Smith takes refuge at a remote church where Felina went to pray. Two days later, later Sheriff Galt arrives and informs Smith that Monday was caught smuggling food and water to the church and that Doyle will probably torture him to death. He then hands Smith his pistols, saying, they are, saying that's all the help he's willing to offer. Smith returns to town, kills McCool and the rest of Doyle's men, and rescues Monday. Doyle and Hickey are absent, having gone down to Mexico in a desperate search for Felina. Smith lures Doyle to his location and lets Monday take revenge by shooting the gangster with his revolver. Hickey pretends to surrender and tries to kill Smith, who outdraws and shoots him dead. Smith gets into his Ford, which was repaired by the town mechanic for free, and drives on to Mexico, his original destination, leaving Monday some money in Doyle's car to return to Jericho. He reflects that he is as broke as he was when he first entered, but consoles himself by saying that everyone in Jericho is better off now. <sighs> Hooray! My yeah. goodness gracious, these could not these could not have been simple plots, could they? No, no. I mean, at their core, they are. It's just there, there's a, a lot of finite details because it, there's there's like these two warring warring factions, and you're constantly switching between the two. You know, so it's. That complicates yeah, simple, it a great deal. <laughs> the simple plot really is: stranger comes to town, fucks shit up, gains nothing, leaves. It's like, wow, bro. Oh no, no, that's the simplest form. <clears throat> but I'm not done yet. I got a full circle to deliver here. It's apparently a hell of a one. So starting off, we're just going to get the most obvious one here out of the way, uh, most obvious for the Akira Kurosawa side anyways, and that is Toshiro Mifune, who was the samurai in Yojimbo. He also played Kikuchio in 1954's Seven Samurai, which we uh, covered recently. Um, recently? That was two years ago. Well, a year and a half ago. Good lord. Time is nothing. <sighs> Time means nothing. <laughs> Uh, next up we have Yoshio Tsuchiya, who played Koei in Yojimbo and was Rikichi in Seven Samurai. Uh, Etsushi Watanabe was the coffin maker in Yojimbo, and he was the bun seller in Seven Samurai. So, uh, just a trade man, you know. Yeah. Like, there's worse, there's worse things to be typecast as. Yeah, always working, climbing up the ladder. That's admirable. Um, also, can I can I just say this is a very brief aside. the The cast list listed on Google has the most varied like styles of photos attached to them as possible. Many of them are like 
it's between either shots directly from movies, very official, like old black and white photos, a few modern ones, and ones where it's like, it just straight up looks like this looks like a fucking propaganda poster for a couple of them. Like, I don't know. Like, there's this one guy, Jerry uh, Fujio, who played uh, Roku, who was apparently a samurai. Um, and it's just straight up looks like some, it, it's, it looks like a 1950s ad for like asbestos or something that he's in. It's weird. Jeez. And there's another one. There's another one right next to him that's literally just his, his title in the movie is First Samurai. And it's a fully just like painted image. It's not even a real photo of him. It's like, what? It's so weird. Like, if you ever, like, if you just want to see the most varied cast list ever, just Google Yojimbo cast and you'll just get this beautiful tableau. Fantastic. It's it's just fun to look at. It's so varied. Well, you, you got your homework now, folks. Go out and do that. We have Daisuke Kato, who was Inokichi in Yojimbo and Shichiroji in Seven Samurai. And now... I'm just going to rattle through a long list of Japanese names who appeared in both Yojimbo and Seven Samurai, but didn't really, they didn't really have like full names usually. So, uh, or if they did, it was in one and not the other. So I, I sort of lumped them all together and I'm just going to rattle them off here uh, to varying degrees of success, I'm sure. Uh, Akio Kusama, Akira Tani, Aijiro Tono, Jen Shimizu, Haruya Sakamoto, Ichiro Chiba, Kamatari Fujiwara, Noriko Hon- Hanma, Sachio Sakai, Senkichi Omura, Shin Otomo, Shinpai Takagi, Shuichi Hirose, or Hirose, Takashi Shimura, Takashi, Takeshi Kato, Tatsuya Nakarai, and Tatsuya Nakarai. And we have a couple more for the remake. We have Bruce Willis, who was John Smith in Last Man Standing. He was the titular Jackal in 97's The Jackal. Uh, I forgot oh, yeah. that we had actually covered him before. Um, yeah, say, honestly, same. That just shows what the Jackal's worth to us. John Paxton was the Undertaker in Last Man Standing and Houseman in 2002's Spider-Man. Uh, Spider-Man's uh, arch-nemesis Houseman. Uh, Lynn Shea was the madam in Last Man Standing and a journalist at Rally in 85's Brewster's Millions. Uh, Thomas Thomas Rosales Jr. was Ramirez's bodyguard in Last Man Standing and he was security guard at Boxing Fight in 2001's Ocean's Eleven. Uh, recognize him? Um, I don't. (laughs) And, and you love that movie. Uh, and finally, William Sanderson was Joe Monday in Last Man Standing, and he was J.F. Sebastian in 82's Blade Runner. What a man. Uh, and that and that's it. That's full circle. Still love that name, Joe Monday. Like, there's really no context I wouldn't adore hearing that name. <laughs> How about you talk about it a little? <laughs> with, with pleasure, my friend. You have, you have earned a break. Uh, um, I think... It's, I really did, like, I I will say the, the relationship, like, first and foremost, more than anything, the tone with these movies, the relationships between all the characters sure is dour in the remake. Like, the original one, obviously, the shit wasn't great, but, like, people still seem to, like, have emotions beyond, like, either, like, cynical joy or, like, just dourness. 
or just like ang or just like un un like directed anger like <laughs> a lot of a lot of just negative feelings overall in the you know remake no, in the in you know no man standing last man standing whatever the fuck um, yeah the tim allen show yeah yeah and like also like i i can't really not address the fact like two direct facts one is that i will never find christopher walken intimidating i just can't it is just impossible like he came close in this one a couple of times but otherwise i was like this man is silly this man is just silly and he's trying to be scary and i just can't see it um the other one being the ending tone for both of these movies was so different when you got right down to it because like you know I said, like, I, I don't know if it if it made the cut with it, but, like, I said, basically, the plots of both these movies are man comes to town, fuck shit up, gains nothing, then leaves. Um, but the, the fucking... The original one at least had the benefit of, okay, there seemed to be at least be the suggestion of normal people living in this town, and they're just caught up into this shit. Um, we don't see them very often, but, you know, it, it's just a limited cast. That's fine. Um, but... Like and so like whenever it's like the you know a very honor bound samurai comes in and like makes sure people can live decent lives, but the fucking the remake really is just like this dude comes into town wants a bunch of money and basically by the end of his time there has made sure everyone significant in town has run off, and so the town is basically abandoned by all I can tell, and he just kind of leaves at that point because it's like well. I got myself into some weird shit and like, I guess pride or honor required me to put like ice these guys and then just leaves. It really was just kind of like one of those moments of, so what was the point of all that? And like, at least like the original, (laughs) at least like we have the assumption of people like, yeah, this, this town can now have a normal fucking existence. But this one was the other one was just like, okay, so middle of nowhere town in prohibition era, Texas, just doesn't exist anymore <laughs> like it's just <laughs> going to turn to dust and the entire nation will never have known it existed and i i truly do think that part of that just plays off the actual representation of the characters as well when you're yeah. comparing mafune to willis in this case because both both of these endings are examples of a pyrrhic victory obviously where you won, but you didn't really gain anything, or the cost to win was much higher than the actual outcome. Um, But the mood and the energy that the characters have, it feels more like Mifune's stranger character did win, whereas Willis's character, you fully recognize that it is a Pyrrhic victory and that he didn't gain anything, because... just the emotion that he gives off it's like he he didn't he didn't ever want to be there i don't think he was happy to be sleeping with women to be gaining money he was just doing it because it was like an instinct or something um so at the end it really is like why did any of this happen yeah and like i imagine that might just again be a it's a very much a culture difference thing like obviously um you know uh fucking kurosawa's movies they they tend to meet that kind of general uh, formula of you know honor bound stranger or strangers you know it's tasked with basically an impossible task and you know don't necessarily win on a personal level but 
ultimately the the world that they have left is better than when they arrived. And we saw that in Seven Samurai, of course, and like, you know, we see like the village driving and everything. But the benefit of that one with its remake was we still got like that ending with, you know, um, the Magnificent Seven, where, you know, the town is flourishing again, people are safe and all this sort of thing. And so we at least had that level of catharsis with that ending. You know, obviously it was still very different. There was a lot of more personal victories, like the one guy gets to stay behind and marry the girl, whereas the original one, the guy didn't. Um, mm -hmm. But this one, it's just, it's so fundamentally different because so much of it is purely focused just on Bruce Willis's, Bruce Willis's character, the John Smith character, which is honestly easier to say than Bruce Willis. So I'll just say that. Um, I mean, fair. But <laughs> the John, but yeah, the John Smith character, it's so focused on him specifically. Like the fact that we, not least of which are the fact that we constantly hear his internal monologue, which is like not great, honestly. One, because like honestly, it's just kind of a tired trope when you get right down to it. And like this being the mid to late 90s meant there was really no sense of subtlety. Um, and also for the fact of it really just kind of brought in insight of the fact that I just don't like John Smith as a character. I kind of think he's just a piece of shit. Yeah. <laughs> like, we never learn much about Mifune's character, Sanjuro, um, in, you know, in, you know, the, in uh, Yojimbo, which I need to Google, like, what Yojimbo actually means. Is that if that's his actual name or that's the village or something? I can't remember. Um, but we never get much into insight into himself, but we learn everything through his actions. Like he's clearly very clever. He's clearly very driven in this specific goal and he's willing to adapt as things go along. Um, whereas it really just feels like for Bruce Willis to say, he really is just doing this to get a rise out of folks just to make some cash. But Sanjuro literally, I don't think the entire time he ever actually directly accepts hardly any money at all like maybe a couple times like he, he comes in a town flat broke and you know like literally the uh fucking in uh, the tavern keeper uh unosuke uh, unosuke uh, suke um i think that was him uh literally like the entire like literally just is like fine i'll let you have this shit for free and all the other times he takes money he gives it to someone else or something but John Smith rolls in a town with a bunch of cash, apparently, which honestly then begs the question of what the hell is he doing? <laughs> like, you, I think you ended the movie with less money than you ran in because Joe Monday literally says at one point of like, I'm sure you can afford like, you know, getting a prostitute like when he was talking about it because he was able to put down a bunch of cash for a rented room. It's yeah, like I really <sighs> I really don't see what the point of the whole situation was. There should have been more incentive for him to actually get sucked in. There, there's sort of incentive for him to stick around at the very beginning because these fuckheads trashed his car. So what's he going to do while it's getting fixed? He kind of can't go anywhere. And, you know, he goes and he shoots the guy that sort of orchestrated it. Uh, but yeah. besides that point, you know, it's like, okay, so he's making more money. He's just a greedy guy. And I mean... Greed is technically a character trait, but it's kind of John Smith's only character trait. He doesn't display a lot of emotion uh, yeah. in any regard, uh, so it, it's hard to sort of relate to him. And also, I didn't want to interrupt you while you were talking earlier, uh, but That's Yojimbo right. is just Japanese for bodyguard. Oh, okay. That's honestly, that's a that's a great name, actually. <laughs> hmm. 
And uh, to go back to a point you were getting at with the the played out feeling of the uh, inner monologue, I definitely sympathize no. with that. Uh, when I was doing research for this beforehand, I saw a couple of different things, one of which being when uh, the director, Walter Hill, was approached to do a remake of Yojimbo. Um, it was explicitly stated he didn't want to do a Western, so he turned it into a noir but in some respects, he also kind of made a Western. One hundred percent made a Western. Like what the? Like it's a Western noir, yes. But like, yeah. you really like. I was like fucking like, reading that. Like what? Yeah, but, like for, for Kurosawa basically invented the Western on his own without doing a Western. Like y'all got you can't fucking say you're not doing a Western when you're remaking that shit. Well, allegedly, the reason they wanted to avoid it was because of uh, the film A Fistful of Dollars, which was unofficial and ran into a lot of problems. So they were like, maybe if we change the genre, we can get further away from this comparison, even though we're fucking doing a remake. But And yeah, an official I, one I can, that, whatever. Or maybe it wasn't official, I, I don't remember. And I, can't, I completely forgot that, yeah, like, Fistful of Dollars is basically just a straight rip. Yeah. Um, the other point, though, is that I saw apparently Walter Hill and Bruce Willis, they didn't hate each other, but they were kind of cold towards one another. And the only real conversation they had was at the very beginning where I guess he was describing the character that Bruce Willis would be playing. And Bruce Willis goes, oh, so you kind of want me to do like a Bogart thing. Uh, I don't think he really succeeds at that, but it, it's yeah. it's like, OK, so not only are you trying to make this noir movie set in the west or the south southwest uh but also mm. bruce willis is trying to mimic humphrey bogart so it, it makes it seem even though he's not doing a great bog job being bogart it makes it even more apparent where those sort of noir tropes are kind of slipping in uh it feels like yeah uh, like it definitely like it definitely feels like there is more noir elements than western elements but it seems like the western elements are so distinct that it's impossible to ignore them it's yeah. like if they had set this in another part of the country like if they had set this in like antebellum south then it would have been more noir like like southern noir is a thing it's a it's not as common but you know i think it would have worked great but the fact that it's set distinctly in the middle of Dust Bowl, Texas, is like literally. There's a, literally when he's returning to town after like hiding out at the church. There's literal tumbleweeds going across the street. Like, are you fucking serious? Yeah, <laughs> they like, try to be that's... cute with that a few times, and and sometimes it does work. Uh, a moment I do like in the remake, uh, even though it's more so implied than anything else, is when he's first rolling into town. Uh, in his uh, in his coop, uh, he passes by a horse dead on the ground, and uh, you know it's it's kind of like this is this is a one horse town, and the one horse died. And I was like, oh, ah, yeah. that's kind of that's kind of cute. Um, and yeah. there's a couple things like that there, but it's it's like it's so opposite in tonality that when it happened, like there's one there's this really dumb line that Bruce Willis inner monologue says near the beginning, that's where he few, looks into like, the yeah. He looks into the window at the coffin maker who's smiling and it's like I couldn't tell if he was just if he was preparing one for me or thanking me for the recent business. 
and it's like, well, the line is dumb, but like seeing the goofy grin on the <laughs> on the yeah. coffin maker's face as he's waving, I was like, I I, I guess I kind of like that. But then it's like surrounded by all this other just depressing nonsense, you know? Yeah. Like at least someone's having fun. <laughs> right. Compared to Yo Jimbo, where even though, you know, he doesn't have a lot of money going for him and he's just this traveling samurai, the stranger is having a lot of fun. Sanjuro, like at the beginning when he turns down the, the money because he, he learned that the family was planning on killing him. He climbs, he climbs up that little ladder to that scaffolding and he sits there like a, like a football fan in the stands waiting yeah. waiting to see everybody kill each other and he's smiling and laughing. I don't know. There's more fun there. I will say like I had even seen like a brief description of uh Yojimbo that it actually even brought up the fact that yeah, it's actually a pretty funny movie. Like it doesn't it definitely doesn't take itself that seriously. Like there are other obviously Seven Samurai is like about as serious as it can get for a movie. Um but this one, honestly, like, there's a lot of fun to be had with it. Like, a lot of characters just straight up look silly or act dumb and that sort of thing. Um, and, like, you know, to, to give credit where the, you know, to give credit to the 96 version, the action is definitely better than in Yojimbo. Because, like, in Yojimbo, it's like, like, there's definitely, I like, the, the action sequences, obviously, in Seven Samurai are pretty fucking stellar. Um, but this one, it really is just kind of like, they're just waving metal sticks at each other and falling over. Like there's a few <laughs> more gory scenes, but otherwise it's pretty silly looking. Um, yeah. and obviously, and like, thankfully that's like not meant to be that the central draw of the movie. A lot of it's just like, you know, just this dude screwing with these two gangs and how like they bounce off each other. Um, and so like, that is definitely the benefit of the nice six version of that I definitely was more excited in it. Like, I definitely was like, okay, this is actually pretty intense. And, like, seeing these two very distinct different gangs kind of going at it is very cool to watch. Whereas, like, the the Yojimbo gangs honestly kind of felt a little samey at times. But I think that was kind of the point. Right. Um, it, 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 I, it felt more like they're cut from the same cloth. And why yeah. are they are, why are they even fighting to begin with? But it's it's easier to discern in Last Man Standing just because, you know... I don't know. They're se- they're actually even separated by uh, sort of ethnicity. It's easy just hearing the way they talk to be able uh-huh. to distinguish. Oh, this is like a traditional Irish style mob family. You know. I will say though, like you know, obviously we brought up the in one point I wanted to bring up just for the fact of like my kind of standout favorite character of the '96 version, Joe Monday, uh, simply because like I, he simply because like he's just kind of a pretty genuine guy. He's kind of stupid, but like. Honestly, I I just kind of like him. The only other character who really ends up having a good time by the end because he ends up coming along to like the final showdown with uh, John Smith. And as fucking Doyle is just like rambling on about like <laughs> trying to be like, oh, we could be partners. We can go try to find my girlfriend, please. I really want this to work out. He just like Joe Monday just straight up ices him with a revolver, like just has his like, you know, indiana jones moment essentially and just <laughs> goes like that's for fucking up my town and the other guy and you know the hickey character that uh you know christopher walking character is like are you involved in this now too and he's like no nah, i'm good i just want to do that i'm just gonna watch now and like everyone's like <laughs> that's normally the moment where i fully expected him to just immediately get iced but then everyone's just like okay <laughs> 
it was so funny compared to the rest of the movie. I was like, oh, this is I fucking love this character. It's also like, <laughs> that ties into the goofy aspect too, not just because of the character, but they're trying to do this cutesy thing again with uh and I brought it up to you, but it was sort of off mic. His name, mm-hmm. Joe Monday, which feels like a really deliberate parody of Jack Webb's uh Joe Friday character from the Dragnet series. Where it's like, I don't oh, know, that yeah. was like a black and white sort of detective cop series and it, it I guess it's funny in that Joe Friday was like the most dour, like straight laced just the facts ma'am character on that show, and now <laughs> his parody counterpart apparently in this fucking action movie is like the the goofiest, most energetic one of the whole lot. Yeah. Which is a like, weird it's, comparison. It's... And I'm also I'm also realizing now that with Bruce Willis leaving there at the end of the movie and everyone else being dead, technically he's the last man standing. <laughs> like Joe Monday is the sense. <laughs> jo- yeah, Joe Monday is the last man standing in this. Like I was I was realizing that of like Technically, he didn't leave town, and he never specifies that he is leaving town. He's just following the John Smith character to see the final showdown. But, like, he very well could have just gone back to his bar and, like, kept trying to make ends meet. It's like, huh. Like, imagine if he's the one who, like, ends up looting all their fucking, like, criminal activities and shit, and he ends up just, like, running the town. Yeah, and <laughs> at least it'll be only one gang this time. <laughs> yeah. And honestly, I, don't, I can't imagine how threatening the Monday gang is. <laughs> Speaking of, as long as we're talking about characters uh, for Last Man Standing, um, I had two favorite characters in this. I really like Joe Monday uh, for the reasons you already described. And it, weirdly, I actually, I did really like uh, Captain Pickett, who was uh, sort of, you know, the leader of the Texas Rangers. And Oh, yeah. Which... Yeah, it felt like point, he I do belonged. Ha- <laughs> yeah, but like, also, what the fuck happened with that? Uh, nothing. Like, <laughs> nothing. Absolutely nothing. I'm realizing now, like they bring up like the fact of like the inspector coming into town in Yojimbo is like it's it's the main purpose for the sake of the plot is setting up that like one of their guys committed a murder like a murder. And would ultimately be sold out, but also to kind of like draw out the time between encounters because they have to like have a truce on while the inspectors in town. But in this case, in the Last Man Standing, there really is no point to it. Like the fact that they learn about one of their guys getting killed across the border, like he could have learned that from anybody. Ultimately, he could have learned it in the same way he learned the you know Sinjiro learned it in the Ojimbo, just listening to a couple of the guys drunkenly talking about it. Um, otherwise there's no point. He never shows up again. We never see this like army of Rangers. Like I was fully expecting this to be like this deus ex machina force that like the, the original didn't have of just like rolling into town and just like being the ones to clean shit up and being like, okay, this is how the town will come back. will spring back by like having actual law enforcement here now, but no, he just drives off into the not quite sunset and that's it. Not to mention, I, I do, I find it more interesting, honestly, uh, the setup in Yojimbo, where it's these two warring factions in this town who hate each other, but they, you get the sort of backstory that they have to play nice whenever this inspector yeah. is around. 
Yeah, like I love that. Though it it does introduce, uh, we'll talk about it in a bit just because I want to get to my other point, but uh, Mm. there's like two, a two mayor situation going on in Yojimbo, which I didn't fully understand until revisiting it because it doesn't, I want to say it doesn't play into it a whole lot, but it, it like has a climax at the very end of the movie. Uh, But anyways, compare this, this uh, Untrue setup to the remake in where they already do kind of have an established truce. It's on shaky ground and they're still doing bad shit, but it's sort of recognized for the most part. We, we won't completely fuck you up and you won't completely fuck us up. And that's just how it will be. And then Bruce Willis kind of disrupts that. And I don't know that I, I don't know that I like the more direct influence that the the main character has on this situation. Obviously, they get pulled into it because they're being hired as a hired hand or a bodyguard or whatever. But the initial igniting of the fuse, I guess i i I like it less that uh, yeah. John Smith is involved directly in that. Yeah, no, like the fact of him trying to become this like reluctant hero of the situation just doesn't fit super well. Like, especially because by the end, I don't think he's actually really learned anything. Like we have, like we get this established like air of he, you know, he has a thing for helping women in need, which like is honestly still on its own. Pretty creepy. And like, otherwise, yeah, he just like, he just straight up continues the goal that he had in at the beginning, which is to say just fleeing to Mexico from running from the feds. Um, which we never really get more insight into. And I really wish they just hadn't brought up anything at all. Like it's like, which I, I guess that being said, they had to have some sort of backstory because for the sake of you, Jimbo, really all you needed for a samurai movies is this guy is a Ronin. Of course, he's going to be rolling through town because he doesn't have jack shit to do. Like the only thing he's ever trained to do is to be a fighter and he can't right. do that. So like that makes sense. Like that alone, like, that is all you fucking need. Um, so, and we, I guess we just really don't have an equivalent of that in a more modern, you know, world. And so you have to have some sort of thing. Like there had to be some level of criminal for them to be able to be justifiably doing these things, which honestly just kind of like loses something. Like the fact that this isn't a Western really does kind of be that detriment. Cause again, you could have that in a Western where it was like a cowboy or a, you know, a gunfighter. It's like, yeah, this is a dude whose whose entire deal is shooting people. He's gonna need work, but it just doesn't really work the same with a what appears to be the assassin of all time. Not more that I think about it, my God, <laughs> like who is this guy who's able to fucking go guns akimbo just on anyone in this town and just wipes him out? Like you can understand that- the samurai being able to do that because everyone there is just a dumbass criminal with a sword versus him being a lifelong trained warrior but like this is some random dude going up against mob mobsters they're not like untrained killers like they know what the fuck they're doing no that's actually a really good point i hadn't thought of like i don't think it succeeds at it very well but i think it was admirable to try to turn this into more of a noir even though they still lean on a lot of the western tropes as you do not that it's yeah like a bad thing inherently but if yeah. they had just gone full sail western like you said not just you know him being a cowboy or a lone gunman or whatever being an excuse to roll into town but also that title in and of itself 
just automatically without having seen the movie or having an affiliation with the character, you're like, oh, he's probably good with a gun or else he wouldn't be doing what he's doing. That's that's what it is with the samurai. You don't see the samurai wandering around when you start up the movie and you assume, oh, he's probably terrible with a sword. You know, yeah. but with it being a noir and this just being some random guy on the run, it's like, okay, why is he John Wicking the entire town then? Like that kind of makes you want more backstory because they're just alluding to it, but they never fully drop it. So it's like either give us something or don't tell us anything. But now that you've introduced this running from the law thing, it's like, well, what did he do? Like, yeah. Kill an entire like regiment of police officers or something. Like, I don't under, I don't get it. Yeah. It's, it's, it really just doesn't mesh up super well. Like, I am still ultimately glad they didn't do a Western because I don't know how well it would have worked out in its own way without just straight up just being Yojimbo all over again. Um, the fact that they did it differently, and I have to I have to give points for that because I've said that before. If you're going to remake something, at least put your own spin on it or give some other reason why this is being remade. Because ultimately, Yojimbo, like, it's, it's a Kurosawa film. Of course, it's great. Like that, that I can say, you know, without spoiling my ending. Um, but the fact that they did go to the effort of trying to do something different with it, because obviously the easy option is Western, because like the samurai genre invented, like immediately led to the fucking uh, Western genre, because they're so damn similar as right. concepts. Go um, listen to our Seven just... Samurai episode for more discussion on that. Yep. Um, but. It just doesn't quite mesh, and it's the and it's sad because I do like a lot of aspects of this. I honestly think, like, with the sort of exception of Bruce Willis, I do think all the actors actually do a pretty good job during this. Like, obviously, the whole situation, I, I definitely bought into the attitude that they were kind of doing because obviously the first kill on screen you have is this dude getting launched out of this front door like a full like how like like 20 yards to the other side of the street, but just by these two guns, I was like, okay, this is the kind of movie we're doing. It's just going to be kind of silly with this. So at least with the violent violence level. Um, And so I was able to buy into that and I was able to enjoy it to that end. And I, for that reason, I think it really did at least capture part of the spirit of a samurai movie. Cause like, ultimately you have to recognize samurai movies with the exception of like the ones that are distinctly trying to be more serious. Um, again, let's see, Seven Samurai. Um, with the exception of those, they ultimately are fairly often kind of silly. Like, they're meant to be, like, over-dramatized. And I think it did a good job remaking that spirit for Last Man Standing. But the fact that it just doesn't quite mesh well enough with its concepts, that you have to add in these un- these extra details to give it the kind of context that it otherwise would make it have make no sense just means that it just kind of muddied itself that it really didn't need to do. Yeah. And yeah, like I said, I think the noir element is admirable, but I don't really think it pulls it off that well. Um, and I, I, I mean, I already called out Joe Monday and um, Captain Pickett as two characters that I really didn't li- did like for the amount of time they were on screen. And a lot of the other characters do do a pretty good job. Like, it's funny even saying, you know, Christopher Walken kind of actually just melds into it. Because if if you know Christopher Walken for something, it's probably his voice. 
and it's 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 funny because he's putting on an affectation here. They they mentioned earlier in the movie that he talks weird because he got stabbed in the uh, with an ice pick in the uh, voice box. Right, that was what it was. Yeah, something like that. So Some when he showed up ice. on screen, so when he showed up on screen, I immediately thought, "Oh, that ice pick thing." That's how they're gonna explain away the fact that Christopher Walken talks so strangely. But then he's putting on this other like weird, weirdly raspy voice, and I thought that was interesting. It's like, "Oh, well, that's like a cool character thing that they actually went in on instead of just you know using it for an actor's sake." But um, I, I think a lot of those moments are really. We don't, it's already muddled because there's so many people amongst these two families that I we can't spend a lot of time with each of them individually, obviously, but a lot of it gets held up by the fact that the weakest link in this is the main character, and we spend so much time with him. The fact that it's a noir, we're in his head constantly hearing him speak, and I think he ends up masking a lot of that, uh, unfortunately. Yeah, it's. I really like the more I think about it. Hickey was a pretty decent character. Like I think he was more varied than I expected him to be. Um, Mm -hmm. I fully expected him to be more just kind of like silent assassin type. The fact that you know, obviously, it's Christopher Walken. He had to talk some amount, but the fact that he had a bit of personality going on with him, like the whole like, you know, would you shoot an unarmed man in the back and then immediately turning to shoot the guy himself, like that's just kind of fun and silly. Like okay. (laughs) <laughs> that seemed unnecessary yeah. in both cases, but you know, and just like there at the end where I fully expect, cause like he throws down his gun and says, I don't want to die in Texas. And I was fully like, Oh, is he just going to leave? Like, honestly, that'd be hilarious end to this. But then he does that yeah. bit. Then he does that bit again, which even I was like, okay, bud, the first time you did this, the dude was sitting down and fully didn't have his weapon out. And like you had all the time in the world, this dude is literally actively pointing his gun at you. Currently, there is no winning this. You don't yeah. have your gun out yet. Like he knows you're gonna try something. Like what was the plan here, bud? Especially because he like speaks up and he's like, "I don't know if you're the one to shoot a man in the back as he's walking away." And it's like, if you just hadn't said anything, then maybe, still a very slim chance, but maybe you would have gotten away. But no. Um, yeah, but like, again, just... that's they, they're sort of setting that up to mimic uh, the samurai with a gun and Yo Jimbo, who yeah. uh, is sort of doing the same thing where it's like, I don't want I feel naked without my gun. I want to die with my gun. Uh, I already fired both shots. And then it as it turns out, he didn't. But he can't actually aim it uh, because he's dying. So yeah. um, I, I think did that's a that... much better ending. Yeah. <laughs> Like, I thought that's like, there's like some, like, because the confidence that, you know, the samurai has at that moment of like, I fully know you're not well enough to even try to pull this trigger on me. So fucking try it, bud. <laughs> I, I, I gotta like... say, it's, 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 it's cool the amount of, because it's like, it's not a direct remake, but there are little bits that are sort of pulled directly over, like the, the horse I mentioned earlier. It's not direct, but it feels like they're sort of crimping from uh, when uh, Sanjiro first walks into town. You see a dog running by with a, a human hand in its mouth. Severed it's just human sort of, hand, yeah. Sort of like the creepiness factor. And and one of my favorite bits, um, just character-wise, is um, during the uh, 
the 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 first uh confrontation in yojimbo where uh sanjiro is sort of up in the tower watching and the two sides are approaching each other there's this huge giant with a mallet walking on one of the sides and i was like what the fuck who is that oh yeah who's that and and he he sort of gets a bigger part later and you get close up of his face and i had to look it up because as soon as i saw him i was like oh that dude has acromegaly uh because he reminded me of rondo hatton and sure enough he had acromegaly uh but they they had a direct correlation to that character in last man standing the guy didn't have acromegaly but he was like seven feet tall you know yeah just this giant a dude just hanging out here <laughs> and i think that's cool yeah it's just nice little subtle things yeah it, it is it is sad how much i want to love the remake more because like for bits like that of like they did like those direct parallels and everything that i think they really did well i think in a lot of ways they they better clarified the differences between the two gangs again obviously i know the first one they're meant to have been cut from the same cloth but like it just kind of meant that they kind of blurred together a bit which isn't necessarily a bad thing but it was just made it a little confusing at times um and i like just like how distinct like this, this these two guys just like living it up in luxury in this middle of nowhere town just basically living like kings on their own and just showing how like differently they acted and all these different kinds of things. I, I, I liked how they worked it, but it's just, you really cannot have, you cannot have a noir without the main character and, and have the main character be something more akin to a Western gunfighter. Cause then you immediately run into the situation of this is not a morally gray, like investigative type character. This is just straight up. What would be a villain in a noir film? <laughs> like, right. Noirs get away from the, be... <laughs> like, Sorry, noirs continue. get away with the fact that the main character is meant to be like a little morally gray. And so they're like willing to go to a further extent in order to make sure the right thing gets done but you can't really do that with the subject based on yujimbo because the whole point of it is that there's a lot of death in it and noirs the main character is meant to prevent excessive death like yeah ultimately they like are just meant to be investigative like they'll have to like kill on a few separate occasions if they get into a gunfight but ultimately they're not meant to be doing that <laughs> and so you just end up with a criminal character who ices half of a fucking town and we're meant to be rooting for him. It's like, I, this isn't the difference is like, cause if it were set in a Western, it would have made sense of like, okay, yeah, this is just kind of how the world was back then. But like with it being like depression, prohibition era, Texas and everything, it's like, it, this isn't really how shit works for us. It's, it, this definitely just feels bad. Uh, it's, it's such a hackneyed sort of, phrasing but it really does feel muddled in that there were a lot of ideas going into this and they they sort of all got mixed and i don't think any of them were fully realized because of it yeah, yeah which is sad because again like that's like the whole thing about i wish i could love this more because i really do think it did a lot of good stuff and like again like it is rare that we get remakes on here that truly are trying to do their own thing of like taking a concept that is on its own, not necessarily that complex, but that deserve exploration of like how we can do this is better. But the sad fact of being like, you really can't do this concept outside of a few genres and without it just coming off as muddled, like you said, which is sad, but you know, it's admirable that they tried. 
Yeah. Wait, we at least give them points for that. <laughs> yeah. So, like, ultimately, obviously, like, you know, by this point, it's pretty obvious that I... I definitely do like Yojimbo more, but I will say I will say I was way more engaged in Last Man Standing. Like Kurosawa is a good director; he makes good films. His shit can drag. Like, there's a lot of periods where I was like, "All right, can we please like push it forward just like a little bit more?" I know ultimately that's supposed to be the point, but it's just getting kind of boring at this point. Whereas there was rarely a, a quiet moment in the '96 version. <laughs> Right. Like it, 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 Kurosawa definitely likes you to sit with it. And it's not even like a ruminative thing. He just likes you to sit with scenes to fully enjoy what is actually being put to the camera. Like, um, when, uh, Sanjiro is staging, uh, staging the fight after he kills those men in the house and he's, he, he's just walking around slicing everything up. He does that for like two and a half minutes. Just walking yeah. around, slicing uh, bags on the ceiling, cutting up windows and smashing doors uh, to make I'll it look like, like more of a tussle. And it's like, I mean, that is cool. That's cool to look at. But after after about a minute, I was like, we're still doing the same thing. And I I was I mean, that's just the one example that sticks out in my mind. And I was like, I, I wish that we were out of this scene already because I I know what we're setting up and I know what's coming next. Yeah. And, which, like, I guess, like, to be fair, at the time when that movie was made, that probably wasn't necessarily a trope yet of, like, you know. Well, fair. That's fair. But, like, at the same time, you know, we're allowed to. We, we've, we've never made a secret of we can be petty and judge by modern standards. So, fuck it. We'll judge by modern standards. I am a really you know? petty bitch, listeners. Yeah, like, fucking, like, talk about, you know, geriatric petty bastards. That's, just, that, that's the subtitle of this fucking show. Uh, yeah. <laughs> it's yeah like it definitely was nicer to look at the 96 version just because like i it was a very cool like distinction between like these palatial lives these guys led versus the complete and utter dust bowl outside where it just kind of had this weird vignette to the whole situation it was definitely like it was interesting to watch no matter what with this movie it's just it was not necessarily interesting to engage with right i agree I, I mean I'm I'm on your same side. I think that I think I think Yojimbo's a better movie. And I mean even though I that's one of the weird things too. I, I felt more engaged watching Last Man Standing as well, just because more things were constantly happening, but that's like an eye candy sort of thing. Right. Because if if you were to am I going to pick up and watch either of these again? I don't think so. I think that I got what I needed out of this. But if I had to pick one, weirdly, I think I might pick Yojimbo just because, like, even though 96 Axe is eye candy, it's like, I'm I'm not getting anything else out of this. I've already experienced it, which is weird because that's sort of the antithesis of points I've made on this in the past. But maybe it's just because the setting, I'm not a big fan of those types of settings, which is why, I mean, it's it's been hard going to get me into Westerns <laughs> as we've seen oh, over yeah. the course of the show. Um, yeah. So maybe like, that's it. I don't know. There are definitely better Westerns than this. That's for sure. Oh yeah, that that's true. We've, we've watched many of them. One of them was a remake of another Kurosawa film for fuck's sake. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but yeah. It's just, oh. it is such a mixed bag of a movie. 
really in both cases when I get right down to it, because I don't think I'd really rewatch either of these. <laughs> like exactly. You know, yeah. I might rewatch seven samurai over the course of like a week, maybe <laughs> but like <laughs> a four hour adventure. Yeah. But, but again, yeah, Yojimbo, it can, it can just kind of drag that I just really can't get into on a wider sense, but it's still, it's still ultimately more entertaining when I get right down to it. It's just, just, a, it, I like the main character simply because I like the main character more, honestly, when I get right down to yeah. that. I, I mean, yeah, I agree. And that was our uh, Kurosawa cast. I think that they're, oh, yeah. I'll have to check, but I think that there's, we're obviously not going to do it next, but there's one more Kurosawa movie that we can cover uh, that has been remade a couple times. And we could technically and... do Fistful of Dollars for this one, but honestly, I don't necessarily want to. I mean, it feels like that's been done to death, making those comparisons. Yeah. No, we don't have to do that. Well, honestly, I I think, think, I'm going to be super oh, honest. I don't it? actually like I don't actually like the Fistful of Dollars trilogy all that much. Like a lot of people claim it be, to be this great, but I don't. I really don't like Clint Eastwood. I've. I mean, I don't like him either. I've only seen Fist. I haven't seen a few dollars more or whatever the other one is. I've yeah, only seen that. Yeah. yeah, I haven't even seen that. I've only seen Fistful. So I've seen. I've seen bits and pieces of. of I think all of them and really all bits of it. I was like, there are better westerns than this. <laughs> Yeah. Like I'm just well, that's one of those it. movies where <laughs> that's one of those movies where, where it's like I haven't seen Good and the Bad and the Ugly, but I've seen it, you know. <laughs> yeah, you've seen <laughs> through you've clips seen the and parodies. Of it. Yeah, yeah. Uh, oh, spaghetti westerns! You, I'm glad you exist for the sake of the genre, but otherwise, I don't really want to be involved with you at all. Yeah. <laughs> oh, but yeah, I don't. You have any other thoughts on this? I think we summarized it quite well. Uh, I, nah, really like, nah, like I was trying to think of like, what kind <laughs> of silly comment can I add that I didn't talk about before? The, the two mayors thing was confusing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Dude, it was so buried that we forgot to bring it up again, even though I said I would and we'll just yeah, leave shit. it at that. <laughs> and honestly, yeah, like I don't even want to like go into it further. I technically do have an idea of what to talk about, but it's not even worth it. <laughs> <laughs> that's the perfect so ending it. for that <laughs> yeah this is basically oh. this is basically how last man standing ended fuck it leave <laughs> i guess i'll get into socials before we full up drive into mexico um but yeah uh go ahead and uh follow this podcast favorite us leave uh star reviews comments uh we're on any of your favorite podcasting platforms Obviously, as I mentioned in the middle of the show, we're on YouTube, but we're also on iTunes, Google Play, Spreaker, Podbay, Podomatic, iHeartRadio, Stitcher. Uh, our host is Anchor. Thank you, Anchor. Um, you can go ahead and email us. They remade it at gmail.com with suggestions for future episodes, thoughts and comments on the podcast. Just want to say hi. We like it when people say hi. And uh, finally, go ahead and follow us at Remade on Twitter. For podcast updates, potential future episodes, when update uh, when episodes are going live, with links to those episodes, full circle diagrams that I put together, and uh, little bits and pieces that we find of movies, games, and whatever we have been talking about recently on the show. We uh, talk about a lot of late. shit. Uh, constantly, yeah. It's usually like twenty five minutes before we start talking about the podcast. I put the I put the the timestamps in the description. Yeah. Don't complain. So, thanks. <laughs> so, yeah, exactly. 
you you guys don't even hear the rambling we had before we even start officially recording. Oh no, good lord. It was like 15 minutes today. Yeah, I think it was more like 20, maybe, maybe. closer to 30 even. <laughs> <laughs> we've lost entire like recording sessions to just rambling. Like I think just the one time really, but we've come close on a few other occasions. We've co- we've come close on a, on a couple others, yeah, but the one was like two and a half hours. Uh an hour in we were like we're not recording tonight. <laughs> and then we just yeah, continued no. talking. But uh Yeah, just yeah. fuck it. <laughs> Two old men just talking about shit, then then leaving. <laughs> the the Statler and Waldorf of uh, podcasting, as they call us. I wasn't aware they called us anything. <laughs> I, <laughs> who was they? We're now at fair. I don't know. I like the show. It's fun. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> me too. I'm like, I don't know. I'm creatively bankrupt at this point. I got nothing. Yeah, the, the, these movies have beaten it out of us. <laughs> Well, anyway, I'm sure you guys' weeks are going better. Or maybe it's not. Everyone's going to shit. Who knows? <laughs> Send us an email and tell us how your week's been going. Hey, until then, I am, as always, your very tired host, Stuart. And I'm over here just making coffins. My name is Jacob, but yeah, I, <laughs> that's, that's my trade. Yeah, that's an old smiley undertaker. <laughs> that's what they call me. <laughs> Who's they? I don't know, but they call me Smiley Undertaker. Damn, I should have called myself Stew Monday. Fuck. Golden opportunity missed. Fuck. Missed opportunity. You'll never get that again. That's gone to the ether. Completely wasted. Sorry. Eh, such is life. (laughs) Say love. Some philosophy about riding off into the sunset. Who gives a shit? Goodbye. deserved it. Well, you got Finn. He's Doyle's best shooter. I thought you were the best. Nah, just the best looking.